Thanks for finding the Motel Americana podcast. If you're enjoying the show, please consider helping it to continue running by clicking the support link at motelamericanapodcast.com or by finding us on Patreon. If you're already familiar with this podcast, you'll know that these stories are based upon the writings of Oscar Garrett, a kid who lived at the Motel Americana in the 80s and who bugged the rooms. The audio surveillance footage that Oscar captured clearly served as the source material for his semi-fictional writings, and those writings in turn serve as the source material for the audio drama that's presented here. Wherever possible, I have and will continue to intercut the actual surveillance audio that Oscar's bugs captured into the narrative, which is the case for the present episode. A full account of my encounter with Oscar and how I came into possession of his writings and audio footage can be found in episodes 1 and 2. If you haven't listened to those yet, I do suggest you start there, though it's not entirely necessary, as most of the tales are self-contained. And with that out of the way, I'm pleased to present episode 5 of the Motel Americana podcast, Stage Talking. Danger almost remembered inscribing this kid's copy. That same glassed over look they all get in their eyes while he's doing it, 10 bucks a pop. What had he written in this kid's? He'd been alternating all day between use great care when playing leapfrog with a unicorn and never underestimate the negotiating power of good hygiene. Looking at the kid standing in front of him now, he decided it was probably the latter. He thought he caught a whiff. Danger had written Love, Danger in every one of the books that day. Sometimes he'd omit the comma. But he let the kid in anyway, sat him on one of the beds, even poured him a bourbon, the kid staring at the typewriter on the desk with a glimmer of love in his eye. Ah, an aspiring Danger thought, and then knew just how to handle him. He said, If you must know, I arrived here here in the so-to-speak sense of the word, here in the advice column after many years, having written myself into a kind of exquisite obscurity, the column gives me some kind of corridor to the living world. To you, kid, a hand it lends me, and a hand I give. In my interview for the job, they asked me why I felt I was uniquely qualified for the position. I said, I am the least complicated of men. I have throttled complexity into small sippings. They said, tell us more. The kid was staring into the tiny whirlpool he was making of the bourbon in his hand. Danger coaxed it up to the kid's mouth, tilted it. The kid made a face like he was taking down castor oil. That a boy. Splashing more into the glass. So, I continued to my interrogators. Decades ago, real men and women built this country with their bare hands. They built the world we talk in. When you drive toward New York City or any city, really, you can feel this condition. You can see what men built. That's why Truman's flashy little encore at the end of the war is so hard to shake. A spoonful of hurt we gotta swallow every day. It has little to do with empathy for all those poor bastards. We are conditioned against that sort of thing anyway. 
And it doesn't even have anything to do with where we are today in the year of our Lord, 1987. Anxiety over commies and the cold fingers of their evil ideology crawling up the backs of our necks. The anxiety of having to practice how to duck and cover under rocks going on 40 years. The anxiety lingers for some, but mostly just passes. You get used to such conditions after a generation. But the ultimate questioning of the fabric of our reality, that hurts deep down. Danger began undressing, saying, When you lose the stage upon which you speak, I hell, the whole act can go terribly wrong. But when the stage can be mushroomed out of existence like that... Danger, standing with his pants around his ankles, snapped his finger sharply. You've got real problems. We can tolerate bullshit, lots of it. In a way, bullshit is comforting. I'm being fooled, we think, but that's okay because we fool people every day. The shape-shifting counts. The ability to be many people. The ability to hide, to bury the self, to avoid. That's what we love. Whitman predicted this early on when he celebrated his contradictions. He was a prophet because he predicted a time when the world would be built and people would have the luxury of contradictions, the luxury of shape-shifting, the play-acting. It's the stage that counts. Remember that. Danger pulled a fresh white t-shirt over his head. It started in a bar, like so many things did back then. All my life, people had been asking me what I wanted to be, what I wanted to do. I used to tell my teachers that I wanted to be a crackpot, that I wanted to be homeless. They sent me out for testing, tested me until I graduated. In college, I was mildly occupied. I could basically read what I wanted to, talk about it, fill seminar ears with the starving disco of my sleepless nights. After that ended, I mostly drank in bars and tried to see about eight minutes into the future. Louis came into Frank's one day and he looked a bit disheveled. He sat down and started talking about his overnight guy walking. My advice column with a voice has lost its voice, he said. It was crazy talk as far as I was concerned, but he was damn worried, sweating even. He was going to lose his job if he didn't find someone. He was getting more and more drunk on gin bombs. Finally, in a mood of charitable curiosity, I took a wild stab and asked him, you need someone to talk into a microphone and take calls to type out some advice? He seemed to say yes, so I said, I'll do it, I'll handle it. After that, we blacked out, probably fought someone, probably tried to score with some girls, probably lost everything we ever owned, throttling and vulgarizing our souls in the process. That was an ordinary Tuesday back then. Danger looped the belt through the crisply pressed suit pants that belonged to his best suit. His only suit. Two days later, I arrived at my new job. I walked through a series of hallways, past cubicles, and at the end there was a small door. A small piece of paper taped to it said, Remy Danger. I thought about correcting the spelling. My first name was Lenny, and my last name was Dander. 
but I kind of like the new name. I decided to use it. Danger buttoned up the bone white shirt. I walked into the room and flicked on the light switch. It was a simple affair. A small round table, a chair, a microphone on the table, a telephone that had a headpiece that seemed to be connected to the microphone, a small typewriter. I sat for a moment staring at the microphone. A woman came in and asked me if I needed anything and I said, bourbon. She disappeared and came back in a few minutes with a decanter full of bourbon, a bucket of ice and an old fashioned glass. She asked me if I needed anything else and I thought about saying blowjob, but I was afraid that she might run off and find some big guy who would take away the bourbon. I poured a glass, sat down, turned on the mic, and started talking. It went something like this. Hello, world. This is Remy Darger. I, I mean, danger. Remy Danger. I have a few things to say to you, and... I remember the distinct feeling of falling, and it brought back a recurring dream I used to have when I was younger. In the dream, an old blue-haired lady was falling and pedaling her feet, and she was falling down a bottomless pit. And the trick my mind used to play on me was this. The pit was bottomless, which meant she had to keep falling and falling. But at some point, I knew there was a giant needle that would run right through the woman. Danger hadn't seen himself in the mirror going on ten years. He didn't see him now. He told whoever it was looking at him. I always woke up right before the needle stuck her, and I would be horrified and screaming, but also incredulous, wanting to argue with the dream writers. How could there be a needle? Where did it begin? Either the pit was bottomless or it had a bottom. Danger took a deep breath. He turned back to the kid. I felt this exact way as I started speaking. Cheated, furious, confused. Danger, 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 that's me. And to be honest, I have no idea what I'm doing. I feel like I'm pitching hardballs into brick walls or whacking tomatoes with a fungo bat. Ever get that feeling? I knew nothing about broadcasting, nothing about my audience. So I stopped talking for a few minutes, lit a cigarette, and just waited. The kid hadn't moved on the bed, but he was staring at the typewriter again. Danger continued. Soon the phone rang, and I answered it, and told the caller to go fuck himself. Another called, and I repeated the same. As I drank more bourbon, my responses became more colorful. I typed out a monologue about the things I half remembered saying into the phone. Yeah, on that thing there. Every single word you ever read of mine, kid, came out of that piece of machinery. Anyway, at some point, someone came in and picked up what I wrote just before I threw up on the typewriter. Someone must have cleaned up after me, the typewriter. The, the syntax. More calls came. I swear, at one point, some maniac from Kentucky asked me about the Immaculate Conception. I said something about the Mets. Danger, finally, sat on the second queen size directly across from the kid. He could definitely smell him now, inches away. By the end of the show, something had shifted or happened. A monumental turd had splattered all over my life. 
I was a radio personality. And what's worse, a self-help guru. Silence happened for a while. He broke it, abruptly. Where were we? The point, kid, is I'm just an average slob like you. Okay, maybe I'm firing on a few more pistons, seems like. But that kind of thing's negligible in the end. When you wipe out an ant colony with your flip-flop, you don't give a shit which one built the hill and which one engineered it. The stage made me. That's the point here. I'm not the beetle you once thought I was, and I'm certainly not the phony you think I am now. Or maybe I am a phony, but I'm a phony phony, just like you. Guys like us, we cancel ourselves out of martyrdom. We're nothing. But that's a good thing. And despite what you might think about it, kid, you haven't shapeshifted yourself into some holden, gonna throw your arms around the kids of the world, keep them from running out of the rye and off the cliff. Not really. Danger drained the last of his glass. And you, kid, you haven't run off any cliff. Not yet, anyway. That's just the stage talking. You see? Danger suddenly remembered a trick he'd once seen in a cartoon. He stuck his pointer finger into the barrel of the gun the kid had been pointing at him since he'd opened the door for him. But go ahead, kid. It won't matter either way now. Hey, thanks for listening, folks. If you're enjoying listening to this podcast half as much as I'm enjoying making it, then please consider supporting it by going to motelamericanapodcast.com and clicking support, or by searching for Motel Americana Podcast on Patreon. The process will take less than two minutes, and of course you can donate however much or little you're comfortable with, and every little bit helps. I can assure you that every cent that's donated goes directly to improving the quality of the show for you, the listener. It will help get the resources needed to improve the audio quality, expands the show's infrastructure and reach, as well as allow me to integrate Oscar's original audio surveillance recordings into the stories here. All said and done, it'll ensure that this podcast keeps running, and it'll make for a better audio experience for you, the listener, which is really what this is all about. So please, again, click the support button at motelamericanapodcast.com or search for the show on Patreon. Thanks for listening and for spending some time with me in the vast wilds of the Motel Americana.